it is the picking up the phone, sending a thank you note, um, you know, engaging with them, inviting them to a special event, a meet and greet or an open house, uh, a breakfast with the CEO. It's, it's having coffee with them. It's those touch points. Um, and it is the, the dating period, as I often talk about. You're on a mission and you just need more people to know about it. And whether you're brand new to marketing or a seasoned pro, we are all looking for answers to make marketing decisions with purpose. I'm Monica Pitts, a techie, crafty business owner, mom, and aerial dancer who solves communication challenges through technology. This podcast is all about digging in and going digital. I'll share my marketing know-how and business experience from almost 20 years of misadventures. I'll be your backup dancer so you can stop doubting and get moving towards marketing with purpose. Hello, and welcome to Nonprofit Marketing with Purpose. My name is Monica Pitts, and I'm your host and the lucky lady who gets to interview our guest today. Now, before we jump into the interview, I have a favor to ask. Will you review this podcast wherever you're listening, whether it's on Spotify or Amazon Music or iTunes? See, our goal is to help more nonprofits just like you have less stressful and more successful marketing so that they can do more of their good work and make our world a better place. But I can't help them until I meet them. And so your review can actually help me change that. When you leave a review, it helps this podcast show up when people are looking for answers to the problems that the podcast is meant to help them solve. So... If you are a nonprofit marketing with purpose fan already and you haven't reviewed the podcast, or if this is your first time and you learn a thing or two, leave a review so we can connect with more awesome nonprofits just like you. Thank you so much in advance. Now let's get to business. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Nonprofit Marketing with Purpose. I am so excited about my guest, Danielle Locke. Um, she's going to talk to us about talking to other people about money. And I know that when I first started my business, I started as a designer, I started as a developer. And the thought of actually having to sell something or ask someone for money didn't even cross my mind until my business partner who that was her role left. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm a creative. I'm kind of awkward. And now I'm going to sit down in front of people and ask them for money. Like I was terrified. And I like, I refused to call myself a salesperson. <laughs> like it made me feel really icky inside because I was like, I'm not a salesperson. Um, and so I hear those same things from nonprofit volunteers and executive directors and development professionals all the time when I tell them, hey, part of your year-end giving campaign is going to have to be picking up the phone because I'm going to talk about the marketing, but I'm not development, you know, except for, for my own company, obviously. But like, you have to be able to get ready to talk to people. And so um, in my own company, I actually signed up for an ongoing training program that was like a cross between therapy and skills training <laughs> to like get me to the other side of the fence and be able to call myself a salesperson and build my confidence about asking people for business, especially multi-figure business. And so I was really excited when um, Danielle like pitched this idea to me about talking to you guys about asking people for multi-figure donations because I feel like a lot of the times that is scary, right? And so she's going she's gonna to talk us through it 
And um, the other fun thing is that she calls it dating, like you're dating your donors. So tell us a little bit about what you mean by that, Danielle. Sure. Hi, good morning. I am Danielle Locke with Lockstep Partners. Uh, and, and in my work, in my consulting business, I work one-on-one with nonprofit directors to help them grow their uh, unrestricted income from donors, from individual donors. Um, and for me, you know, I feel like I've never actually been a salesperson. I've been in fundraising for 20 years. I feel like I've never asked someone to do something that they didn't already want to do, that we aren't kind of in the dating process already know where that's headed. Um, you know, I would never try to convince somebody to do something that they didn't want to do. I, I always feel like I'm giving them an opportunity to support a mission that they already care about. Um, and so for me, because I look at it that way, and I'm so very focused on the, that donor and the relationship and making sure that it's a, a you know, a mutual, you know, beneficial relationship um, that, that I'm never trying to have them buy like a used car or something, you know, like this is, this is a great thing. And, um, you know, I just always look at it that way. So it, it brings joy to me. And I know that's brought joy to many of my donors. I totally agree. In our company, we are, we consult and we help find answers. And so I always tell people, Hey, Stacy might contact you cause she's our lead sales human. Um, but she's never going to sell you anything that you didn't want or need like and you can always say no and it's really not sales we're just helping you solve problems like that's our approach to sales which is a fun approach it makes you feel like very fulfilled as a salesperson because you know that you're helping someone even though they're going to reciprocate by paying you money So let's take a step back and tell, like, tell everybody about you and like what you do. So they understand like, how, how are you this awesome expert in, in this multi-figure ask awesomeness? <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I, I am, um, you know, the little girl next, the little redhead next door. I have, I fell into fundraising. I have an undergraduate degree in psychology, which actually is pretty handy. Um, and uh, I did. I went into to PR and communications, um, and, and then when I graduated, I had a um, I got a job in nonprofit, and I was kind of like, you know, when you first start, you do everything: the website, the newsletter, the annual report, the United Way application, like everything. And I just fell in love with the whole thing. And so, um, you know, fast forward twenty years, I've been in lots of different nonprofits. I um, worked for a large hospital system um, where I had lots of resources, but I kind of ran my own nonprofit within the organization. Um, but navigating that bureaucracy and the levels and, and all, all those um, steps was, was really hard and a great experience. Um, I, I learned a lot there. And I've been in a nonprofit so small where I like literally had to build my own desk. Like I got there and I had like half a cubicle and like this little, like just enough for my laptop. Um, and the windowsill. And so like, I was like, how am I supposed to meet with people and like talk about the organization? So I like went into the storeroom and I got two file cabinets and an old door that happened to be there. And I put it down, I put a tablecloth and I was like, this is my table. Um, and you know, that's, you know, I've been in nonprofits where I like back to the floor and you know, we've all, we've all been there. Um, you know, but for me, I, I love all of it. I love the missions. I fall in love with every mission for every organization I've ever worked for. Um, you know, the people are just so amazing. The donors, the people that you're in the trenches with, um, you know, along the way, I got a master's degree and some certificates in financial um, planning. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I've, I've been there. I've done it. I've gotten the million dollar check. 
Um, I've also had a donor that gave me $30 every paycheck because, you know, he wanted to see something happen and over time it built up to something amazing. So um, I've been just really blessed to have a very diverse uh, experiences and hopefully be able to share that with others at this point. I love it that you referenced getting the small donations and the big donations. Like back in the day when I bartended for a living, when people gave me a quarter for a tip, I was like, thank you. Like, thank you for your quarter because your quarter, like four quarters equals a dollar. Like that is gonna, that is something for me, right? And then there were other bartenders who would throw the quarters back at the people who tipped them. And I was like, well, but I mean, four quarters is a dollar. Like you still got a tip. Right? <laughs> it all adds up. It all adds up. It nope. all adds up in the end. <laughs> yeah. No gift is too small. It's It all adds up. And it's that act of someone making a donation. Um, I, there's an old quote that says, it is a, an emotional decision to make a financial act. And so to, to write that shot, to make that donation, that it, it takes multi-sides of a person to, to make that act and then to do it repeatedly really means a lot. It means that person cares about the organization and the mission and they believe in what you're doing and they trust that you're going to use their investment wisely. Um, that's, that's a stake of a relationship. Again, I'm always about the person and the relationship. So. Well, that's why you call it dating, right? (laughs) And um, I love that you call it that because I always get frustrated because most of marketing all focuses on the end of that supporter cycle when you are asking. And, but that's not where it starts. It had to start someplace else. It started with the relationship, right? And so you have to date before you ask somebody to marry them because it would be very awkward if you just like you're beautiful. Let's get married. I mean, they do that in um, like romance novels sometimes, but I don't know how it would really work out in real life. <laughs> I know. So, so you talk about like an average of 18 months to cultivate a donor before they're ready to be approached for a significant donation. And you were explaining to me that there's five steps to prepare your donors for multi-figure asks. And some of that is actually like the five steps that you're going to go through right. before you even start cultivating that relationship. So why don't you start at the top and like work us, work us through your funnel friend. <laughs> well, you know, I think what's interesting is I, I, I'm relationship based. I'm all about the, the people. Um, and for a long time I was very shoot from the hip kind of just, you know, did what sort of naturally felt right. Yeah. Um, but honestly through, through experience, I always come back to the data, the, the donor database, the process, um, I, I feel like for me, and I think so many of the clients I work with, that getting digging into the data and getting to know your donors and getting to, to see the trends um, and knowing your organization and what you need and what you're asking for builds your confidence. You're not just going in cold asking someone to, to just even, even for the first date, like you've done your homework, right? And so um, you know, the, the five steps that I say, and it's actually there's like a lot of little, little sub-steps, but we try to break it down and I five steps, which is, I always start with fine in doing a quick development assessment, right? Take a snapshot of where you're at and what you're doing. Pull your donor list, whether it's an Excel or some kind of CRM, whatever it is, pull that list out and take a look at it. Start sorting it. First thing you're going to do is you're going to sort it by individuals and foundations, corporations, and whatever else you might have, because you want to pull out the individuals. People, foundations and corporations give for very different reasons than individuals. And so that's, you want to start targeting that group. Um, It's a good sense of like, how many donors do you have? Do you have 10? 
do you have a thousand, right? How many of those individual people do you have? And then, you know, hopefully you've got some, some history there. You can see like, how long have they been giving? How much have they given, right? I always tell, I tell clients, take the top 10 largest donors. Those are going to be your first people that you're going to try to cultivate a relationship with. And the people that have given the longest, because even if someone's giving you 20 bucks every year for 10 years, they've made that decision and they probably have more capacity. Um, so pull that list, take a look at it. So that's a big number one, but it's, it's really like, oh, I love digging into that data and looking at your donors. And um, it's so much fun and you get you, you see the names and, and the history and it really um, inspires you to want to connect with them. Step two is your stewardship. Big word for saying thank you and being appreciative. What are you doing? What is your process? Um, you know, did they get a thank you letter? How quickly did they get that thank you letter after they make a donation? Is there a personal component? Does someone personally sign that letter? Um, you know, do they get a follow-up? The little trick is if you send something personal, like a handwritten thank you note or a call when someone does their second donation or their third donation, it is like a mind-blowing. Donors are just so impressed by the fact that you noticed that they gave a second or a third time. Um, but really, a lot of nonprofits I work with don't have a sense of like, okay, somebody, a volunteer or assistant, the donation comes in, a letter goes out, and that's, you know, they've done their, their duty, but, but there's so much more to that. To, that's where the relationship starts, is that, that sincere appreciation. I agree. We have one nonprofit that we actually do their social media for them and they're part of our year-end um, month-long giving campaign, Como Gives, that we do the marketing for. The Community Foundation um, of Central Missouri is actually the um, distributor of the campaign. But every year we have like they had this extra fundraiser, right? And so we were like, you know what? We're going to participate in this thing. It'll be fun. It'll be team building, blah, blah, blah. It's creative. We love it. So they make mobility carts. We decorate a mobility cart. It gets distributed out into a third world country for a person who can't walk. And um, they, the first year that we did it, they sent us back a video of the kid who got our cart because we had a child we cried like the whole office was like we did the most amazing thing and all we did was like decorate this cart with unicorns and glitter lots of glitter but <laughs> i'm like i wonder if that glitter made it all the way over to africa but it was so amazing and then this last year because of covid we still donated the money but we didn't decorate the cart and so they sent us a picture of the person whose cart we decorated the year before. And we're like, hey, this was amazing. Like you still did this, you helped this person. And, and we were like, oh my goodness. Like this was so amazing. Like, I love that, yeah. It, and we'll do it every year now. I mean, darn it, just to get that picture. We're, <laughs> we just want to see somebody on our May Create mobility cart, you know? No. <sighs> now if we could just win the prize for coolest cart. <laughs> <laughs> But that's, I mean, that's what it is. That's where it starts is, is seeking opportunities for real connection, for real meaning, to connect your donors with the mission, whether it's a video or a photo or, or you know, some kind of report, something that, that ties it back together. So you don't think that your money went out into the universe and didn't do something. When it comes back to you like that, it's so powerful. And you do, you will 
renew again and again. And the goal of the donor journey is to get that from that first gift to get additional gifts and grow the gifts so that over time you, you build that relationship where someone is giving more and more and more and they're feeling good about it and you're feeling great about it. And, you know, it's, it's a, again, a mutual relationship. So the stewardship piece is so important to, to getting started with that relationship. One of the tricks, the third step that I have clients do is um, break down your services. So um, this is really about getting to know your organization. And it seems like a weird thing to do. Again, you're kind of like away from the general relationship, but it's, um, it's about finding the match. So if you think about all the things that you do, right? I have a client that does senior programming, senior meal delivery, senior enrichment, senior center. They also do a daycare center and they have um, a variety of other children's programming. Um, you know, every, you could just say, okay, seniors and children and homeless, or there's all these little sub layers, right? There's the kitchen that serves the food. There's the, the, the craft corner at the daycare center, right? So when you break that down, and this can be a great fun exercise for like your whole staff to get involved and think about philanthropy. Um, but when you start breaking that down and you have that in your head, when you start getting to know donors, you're looking for that connection. Um, you're looking, you're not, again, you're not trying to sell them on buying something or donating something they don't care about. Somebody's going to be interested in the senior program. Someone's going to be interested in homeless. Someone's going to be interested in, in children and specifically children with, with you know, mental uh, you know, difficulties or physical disabilities. Like you need to know your mission and your services so well that when you're having coffee with somebody and they talk about the things that they care about or the things that already support in your head, you're like, tick, 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 you're you know, you're, you're making that match because that later is what you're going to ask them to support. And they're going to be grateful to you for having had that opportunity. It might not be now. The other trick is as you're taking it off, I mean, maybe you're taking notes while you're meeting with them or you're recording a Zoom call, but make sure that before you forget, you, you mark that down somewhere in your CRM, in a file folder, like whatever it is, Get it, get it down so that you can reference it later. But um, it's so worth that step because if you're thinking about it in that terms, it's not just, I don't know what they care about. This is what we need. It's powerful, so powerful. The fourth step is the cultivation. It is the picking up the phone, sending a thank you note, um, you know, engaging with them, inviting them to a special event, a meet and greet or an open house, uh, a breakfast with the CEO, it's, it's having coffee with them. It's those touch points. Um, and it is the, the dating period, as I often talk about. So it's that period of getting to know them, having them get to know you and the organization. Um, it, it's that, that cultivation piece. Um, that is really effective when you are looking for opportunities to connect with them when you're looking for ways to connect them to the mission, like videos and, and thank you notes and art pictures drawn by the kids that you support, things like that. Um, you know, other things like if you follow them on LinkedIn and they get a promotion, send them a little note or an email, say congratulations. Um, you're thinking about them, right? You do that when you're dating, right? You send them a little text randomly in the middle of the afternoon, like, hey, I had a great time at dinner last night, you know? It's, it's about looking for those opportunities. One, I had... Um, I had a, a gentleman, a donor whose son was a football player on the local high school. And, and so he would often score the winning touchdown or they would publish his name in the paper and I would get a Google alert for that. And so then I would send them the link and I would be like, 
congratulations, Doug did amazing on Friday night. And the guy, you know, the proud papa would be like, thanks, let's have lunch. Um, <laughs> you know, because it's just, you're thinking about them, you know them, and, and you know, dads love that. Um, but it, that's, you're just, you're seeking a connection. You're seeking a way to say, I know what you care about. You care about your kids and you, you're proud of them. And, you know, let's, let's have some further conversation. So. I agree. And I feel like those, that's, that's the thing that people who are looking for that, like marketing skinny pill, they forget about, they forget that it really is that personal connection that drives relationships and, and makes things really come together in the end. Like your marketing is there to support that cycle and to continually educate and make those little touches. So that way they don't forget about you and, and they don't get lost out in, you know, the world without ever having heard your name for a while. But then it's like that actual reaching out and talking to somebody that, that brings it back and makes it right. I mean, like even when I'm in my social feed, I, if I'm scrolling through something and I see something that I think would work for a client, I just like, I, I just pop right over in a messenger and I'm like, Hey, look at this crazy post. Like, I think that you could communicate your story this way and that would really work. But I'm always like thinking that way, or I'll get out of a consulting call with one client and then um, immediately email another one. Hey, we just had this crazy idea. Like this could work for you too. And especially if they're different areas of the United States, it's not like competing, but it's just a way to like keep them like, and, and then they, they email me back and they'll be like, how amazing is it that you just thought of me? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually always kind of thinking of you. It's, it's strange, but awesome at the same time. <laughs> like your, your troubles are brewing in the back of my head. I'm just figuring out how to solve them. But that's how, I mean, I do the same thing. So yes, you're totally right. And I think people just need to remember that it's about making sure that you're making those personal connections, not just taking that marketing. Like there's, what can I do to market? And I'm like, but it's, it's everything. It's the whole circle. It's not just the marketing. Okay. I'll stop talking now. So that way you can get us because well, you said so the, the cultivation. That's right, cultivation. And the one thing I will say is that that can feel very overwhelming. You're an executive director and you're, you've got to wear a thousand hats and you're always putting out fires. You're like, Oh my God, I cannot even keep track. Who's football players, whatever. Yeah. That's what I say you run that donor list and then you take five or 10 and you're like, these are the five that I'm going to concentrate on right now. These are the ones I'm going to set up Google alerts for. These are the ones I'm going to contact every three weeks or whatever. You know, like, don't, don't think you have to work on all, you have to develop personal relationships with 100 donors at a time. Mm -hmm. Just one little piece. That's where you get started. And then, you know, something will happen. Somebody goes to Florida for the month or for the winter and they're not really interested in talking to you. They just pull somebody else in and you, you know, work on those five people at a time. It doesn't have to be overwhelming as long as you take it in bite-sized pieces. Okay. And the fifth one is, is, is the old qualify and research. Um, that's, you know, that's getting to know your donor, you know, getting to know them is researching them. Google, there's different, I often use like a wealth screening or some other um, uh, technology to help with that. Um, but one of the things I always uh, have my clients do, I give them a tool, uh, a donor profile sheet. And it's a couple of pages, but it's really taking all that information that you learn and putting it into a structure to develop a full picture. It's their dating profile, honestly. It's it's who are they, where do they work, what do they do, how do they spend their time, their children's names, 
their mom was a teacher, their dad was an engineer, they used to live in Missouri, and now they live in Cleveland, um, you know, all those pieces, because that, if you're going to honestly connect with someone, if you're going to have an authentic relationship, and you're eventually going to match them with a funding a program that is passionate, you, you've got to get all that out of your head and put it into something. And also so you can share that with board members or volunteers or your leadership to say, this is this person that I have gotten to know and here's their profile so that you can have a, a thoughtful conversation with them in the next stage about, hey, let me tell you about the new daycare center that I know you care about and you've supported. This is what we want to do and this is why it's important. And we would like you to make a gift of at least $10,000. Um, you know, coming to that point isn't out of nowhere, right? Putting the ring in front of somebody doesn't happen overnight. It's about the relationship and getting to know them and making that qualified match and doing a little research to know what is their capacity, right? Are they someone that has a million dollar home and is a VP position and can make a $10,000 gift or are they more of the donor that's going to put you in their automatic payroll deduction for 30 bucks every paycheck, right? You need to know what someone's coming from. Um, but yeah, that's, that's it. It's, it's the development assessment. It's the stewardship. It's the saying thank you. It's breaking down your services. You can match it with somebody. It's the relationship building, that cultivation, and then ultimately building that profile so that you are ready. You are ready to have a conversation with them. They're ready and waiting for it. And it, it bolsters your confidence to have that much information and be ready to be like, yeah, I know. I know we're ready to, to pop the question. I, I also feel like for the people who are time pressed, those are going to be the people who are least likely to want to document because it takes time to document. But I have to tell you that if you document this, you then create a system through which you can delegate some of this activity. Um, I have an awesome success story uh, for Boone History and Culture Center, I got to interview Mary Ellen, who is like their um, lady of all organization and things. And she took all the data and she paired it up with board members and volunteers. And they did a one day giving drive and raised $40,000 because she had the data, because it was organized. And she like thought through and was like, hey, this person's an engineer, this person's an engineer, or this person's dad's an engineer, you know, they would have a great conversation. And here is their past giving, here's why they're involved, here's the things they do. And so she like prepped them. She didn't have all these conversations. They had them and that was so awesome. And so if you are a person who is going to not document because it takes you time, just know that in taking the time, you create the ability to delegate and you can hear Ellen's <laughs> whole story too. I interviewed her. So it's on our podcast, but yeah, so you can, you can listen to that there. Um, so the, um, in the six, eight, what we said six, why did I say six? I don't know. Maybe because 18 divided by three is six. <laughs> the 18 month life cycle of a donor. Can you tell people like what to expect along the way? Like kind of maybe the benchmarks because you're like leading us up to the spot and, kind of in the middle is where we start talking to them. So what does that look yeah, like? I, you know, we talk about the donor life cycle, the donor journey. There's a lot of fancy terms for it. Ultimately, it really is um, the, the point at which they're aware, right? The introduction to the organization via a board member or a friend, 
um, or all that wonderful marketing that's happening, they become aware of the organization. Um, you know, it's it's point of entry. Point of entry is really important for me. I think a lot of nonprofits are looking for new donors, but there has to be a point at which they they come to you, right? They attend an event, they download something, whatever whatever it is, right? They they come to you. Um, acquisition is when they become a donor. They cut that check, that first check. Stewardship is the same. Thank you. Cultivation is the relationship building. Then you're going to solicit. You're going to ask them. Then you're going to steward them some more. You're going to say thank you. And you're going to be honestly, genuinely appreciative. Um, and then you're going to cultivate that relationship. So that's all fancy for saying you're going to date that donor for 18 months. You're going to, you're going to say, well, this is a person who might be interested in donating. I'm going to send them some materials or I'm going to ask a board member to introduce me. We're going to go to coffee and that goes well. We might go to lunch and then, you know, we're going to I mean, find ways to connect them to the mission. And that's the really critical piece. What you're talking about with so many of your examples is that connecting them, the educating and inspire them. People, they want to know what's going on. They want to know how you're developing. They want to know the latest research. If they care about your mission, they want to be on the inside. They want to know you're going to engage them. And, and you're eventually, when you feel like you, when you're at the point where you know them and they know you and you have a really good sense of what that match is and there's a need at that time for that organization, that's when you're going to make the ask. Um, you know, that 18-month cycle, the benchmarks really are identification, cultivation, stewardship, and then saying thank you, and then doing it all over again. Um, but it's dating is one way to describe it. The other way is, is that it's, it's, a, it's a, an elevation. It's a journey, right, from just these inklings where they kind of know you, you met at a party, to where they become more involved and they get to know you and they volunteer. Maybe they're a board member and they've attended some events to the point where you've met with them several times and then you're ready, they're ready and you're ready for a financial conversation. Um, it's an evolution. And so you always want to be thinking about, are you moving that relationship forward? Are you stagnant? Are you just having coffee for the sake of having coffee? Or with every with every interaction, are you moving that person forward to the goal of eventually having that financial conversation? So you're thinking, what is the next step? And am I giving them a clear view of what that next step might be? So you might have coffee and then your next step might be getting them to an event where they can learn more and maybe become more um, aware of the organization. And so at the end of coffee, you might say, hey, you know, we have an event coming up. I want to, like, can I get you a couple tickets and you, you know, or maybe they're already loving you and so maybe they buy a table or whatever that is. But so that's what you're talking about. Just like kind of knowing, hey, this is coming up. I need to let them know that this is the next step. And then at the event, you're like, hey, how's it going? So glad you're here, you know? <laughs> like, well, we'll have to have coffee again sometime. <laughs> the, the two... The, the trick, the, the tip I'll give you is that I never go into, I never have a donor conversation. I never go to a donor meeting or coffee without some agenda in my head. Now, I don't know where that conversation is going to evolve, but I always have a goal at the end. My goal is to get them to the next event. My goal is to invite them to breakfast with the CEO or to have them do a site because I think maybe they're interested in the daycare program. So then the next step is to get them to tour that daycare center, right? So 
always think about when with this interaction, what is the next step that you're trying to seek? Um, and along that path, 18 months is, is a fairly long time to build that relationship. And sometimes, I mean, it could be really quick. You might fall in love right away and, and ask them to marry you. It, I've had donors where, you know, again, we were doing with like a million dollar fund, you know, it took like 20 years of cultivation um, off and on to have that conversation. But, you know, the other thing you can do is be introspective. At some point, step back and say, okay, are we moving along? How is this person feeling? How am I feeling? Is this working? Um, you know, do I, am I moving them along? And you can ask them too. You can say, hey, how, how are you feeling about the organization? Uh, is there things that you would like to know more about or things you would like to see? Anything that's confusing to you? Um, how are you feeling? They'll tell you. And they love, people love to give their opinions. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, again, feel like do a check-in with yourself and with the donor. And then especially if they're not responding or you're not getting feedback from them, communication back, I, I, we do this a lot in our conversations. I don't know if you do it in donor cultivation, but we'll say, you know what? This does not feel like the right time for you right now. And so we're just going to step back and we'll like check in like in a while, but we're just going to step back for now. Do you ever do that? Um, and just like have that type of conversation or is it just like, I don't know, let it go. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, again, it depends upon the person, but you definitely, you definitely can say, Hey, look, I, you know, again, you, you know, them. So you're like, look, I know that you're uh, heading to retirement. You're getting ready to sell your business. Your kids are going off to college. Um, you know, I know it's tax season. Um, hey, I'll check in with you after April 15th. Um, you know, just so you acknowledge the fact that you know where they're at mm -hmm. um, and say, hey, you know, I know I haven't heard back from you in a while. That's cool. Um, you know, let's get through your busy season and then I'll follow up with you in a couple of months. Um, again, I always, maybe this is my naivete, but I, I always lean towards the glass half full. There's a reason people are not ignoring you because they don't like you or, or because they're done with the organization. Life gets in the way. Life is busy. We all have lots of responsibilities to our parents, to our aging parents, to our, our children, to our spouses, to our jobs, um, to our neighborhood, to our community, to our other volunteer roles. So really being understanding of where people are at and say, that's okay. This might not be the right time. Um, you know, I'll check back with you in a little bit. It means a lot to them. You know, it, 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 you speaking to where they're at is very meaningful. I had this great conversation over Thanksgiving with a gal who works in DC and she was like, Monica, I think it's so great that you're encouraging these nonprofits to send multiple emails throughout the month of December because half the time I don't even open the email until it's the fourth time it's in my inbox. And she's like, I, I always have every intention of giving. It's just that I don't have time to do that process right now. And I then forget about it because I clean out my inbox. So when it shows up again, I'm not offended. I just, I'm thankful that they reminded me. And so that's exactly what you're saying here. We're busy. So don't, you're not badgering people by any means. I mean, unless your emails are really gross, but don't do those emails. Um, so I do feel like, and we're kind of like leading this direction, like a lot of my smaller nonprofits, they're, they are apprehensive about asking someone for a, a more major gift. 
So do you have any advice for them like to overcome that fear? Like, I guess we just said, Hey, people need to be asked more than once, but anything else, like give them some therapy. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think, um, you know, first thing is I would say, I would say, don't be, I, 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 people want to be asked. People want to be supportive. As I said, I've never asked someone for something that they didn't already want to do. I'm giving an opportunity to support something that they already care about. Um, you know, I, my advice would be, and this is, you know, speaking from my personal experience and from the clients that I work with is do your homework so that you feel confident. You feel confident going, you're not going blindly into that conversation. Build a relationship, speak with passion. People, people will respond so much to that. You have no idea what your passion about your mission and the work that you're doing will speak to somebody. Don't, don't be afraid to share that and, and know that it's always about timing. It might not be right now, but, but it's never in vain building that relationship and, and speaking your truth. Um, be donor centric, be focused on that match. What is it that they care about and they want to do? Because if you're looking to them for guidance and you're, you're letting them lead the charge, you're never going to offend them because they want to be there um, and just be thoughtful about it. You're not selling anything. You're not selling a used car. You're giving them an opportunity to make a meaningful impact on a mission and organization they already care about. So if they're already in your cycle, this is just the next step. Um, you know, and, and if you follow the process, if you are building that relationship, it's not coming out of left field when you ask for that large gift they really should have a sense of that's already coming. Um, and, you know, and then you just work out the details. That's awesome. Okay, so my last question, because I have people ask me about this pretty regularly, is getting more volunteer involvement for things like raising money. Even like we do peer-to-peers in our year-end fundraising campaign, Como Gives, and they're always like, well, how do I get my volunteers to do this fundraising for me? So, I mean, we talked earlier about you're going to have all your information organized. So this is going to be something like even picking the people that you're going to have asked for you would be easier. I'm not going to say it's easy, but it would be easier <laughs> because you're so organized, right? Underneath this method. Are there other things that you would suggest to like allow volunteers to help you in this this dating process? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, it's simple things like, um, you know, who signs your thank you letters, right? You get a gift in, does, is there an automatic uh, electronic signature that goes out or is there an opportunity for some personalization on there, whether it's your CEO or board members? Um, I have a client that brings us thank you, thank you notes to every monthly board meeting and then just passes them around and board members sign thank you letters with little notes. Um, also they, uh, take the first five or 10 minutes of each board meeting and they pass out thank you cards with a little script and they give them names of not most recent donors, but just donors in general. So that some donor randomly gets an email, gets a a thank you note from uh, a board member. And it's like, wow, I donated like six months ago and I got this handwritten thank you note from a board member. That's, uh, that's pretty impressive. Um, you know, let, let, and I'm speaking a lot about board members, you know, have them review your donor list for folks that they know, do meet and greets, um, you know, invite them to meetings with donors. We get very caught up in the, in the operation and the day to day. And like, this is what we do now. This is what we do now. 
But if you seek opportunities to add people to that, like if you're going to have lunch with a donor, who could you bring? Maybe it's a staff person, a program person. Maybe it's a board member, right? So again, like if that person is an engineer, then who on your board is in that that area, right? Is science or, or math? Um, or maybe they live in the same community. You know, what, are, what are those opportunities? Um, it's really about that utilizing, gathering your facts, having your data, and utilizing each volunteer, whether it's a volunteer or a board member, um, to exemplify their strengths. Um, one of the tips I always, one of the things I do with, with my clients is you recruit a board member for a reason, right? Because they live in a certain community, they have a certain skill set, they're um, you know, they know people in this particular circle, right? And then you get them on the board and you just put them in the process. And so very often we'll do a, a, a board member donor profile. Think about them as your largest prospect. They, they have already committed to being an ambassador. Um, you know, make sure you get to know them for all of those and then utilize them. That's the thing is you have to get used to asking. You have to get used to looking for opportunities to involve people and then not being afraid to say, hey, Joe, I'm going to meet with this donor. Would you like to come? Um, or I'm putting together this document. You're uh, a financial advisor. Would you take a look at it? Um, would you write a, a guest article for our blog, right? Like utilize those, those resources. Um, it's the same thing with your volunteers, right? If they're an office volunteer or they put together a walk team, um, you know, why are they doing that? And how do you support them? And what are the things that they're connected to? I had a, I did a walk and we had a, a family uh, put together a walk team and I met the mom at the walk and she was a pretty impressive lady. Um, and she uh, was an attorney at a law firm. And so I, I was like, hey, let's have a prayer conversation. And that led to a much bigger walk team a corporate sponsorship from her firm. Um, she eventually became a board member. Her daughter became like the, the walk hero. Um, their whole family became involved. The firm became involved. It just, it started with that one spark to say, hey, let's talk about how you might want to get more involved because she was at that point on the outside. She was just coming because she cared about the mission and she wanted to empower her family. But once I gave her a way to do more and be more engaged, she just ran with it. So, yeah. You gave her the path too, which is like the key, right? And like from the fact that you built your own desk a hundred <laughs> years ago and, um, you know, and now, now you're like, you're just such a problem solver. I love it. And I love how you're like, I almost didn't ask you like, are there more tips for volunteers to get involved? But I'm so glad I did because those are such good ideas. I mean, one memory it sparked for me was when I first started selling, like I'm a, I'm a talkative, outgoing, fast thinking human. My brother is a slow talking, processing, analytical human. And I would have these meetings with business people. And on the phone, I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to connect with these people. Like they're, they're slow talking slow processing humans. And so I would bring my brother to these meetings with me. And I'm like, the goal is that when I start derailing, you just slow everything down for me. Like we even had like hand signals that you <laughs> like, get it together, Monica, slow it down. But, um, but it's the same thing. And I love it. Those were such, such good suggestions. I've learned so much. So I am going to list off the five things that you're going to do to cultivate donors 
and, um, and date them to prepare them for multi-figure asks. So that way I have them solidified in my memory and everybody can leave with them at top of mind. So the first one is the development assessment. So pulling your list and sorting it. Number two was stewardship, saying thank you and appreciating them. Number three was breaking down your services and finding the match between the client and your services. And then number four was cultivation. So actually contacting them and like starting that relationship, moving in the right direction. And then number five was qualify and research. So that way you have everything together and you can make the right ask. You are a smart lady. Okay, so tell us how you, I, I mean, you can tell us how you help people. That would be great. But then also tell us how people can get in contact with you so that way you can help them. <laughs> well, it's, um, you, can, you can reach me. It's really easy. Um, thank you to my husband for a last name, Lock. Um, but my, my website is lockstep.com. So it's L-O-C-K-E-S-T-E-P.com. Um, also on Facebook at Lockstep. Um, or lockstep partners, I think, with with two keys. Um, I'm not super unsociable. My Facebook's got some. I, I put a lot of uh, good tips out there, and you can. Um, I have a, a great email, so you can go to my website and sign up for uh, my email. And I do more tips like this on a on a regular basis. Um, but for me, I when I it's very much like this. When I work with a client, um, we we dig in and we do the assessment and we figure out what they're looking for. Um, and they're always in shock and awe at the, the gems that are within their own data. And that that's my soapbox is there's nonprofits are always seeking new donors, they're always seeking new audiences and, and um, much like business where, you know, a current customer is so much more valuable and it's five times more expensive to acquire a new customer or a new donor than to build a relationship with the ones you already have. And, in nonprofit, where there's such turnover and change and everything, we just, it's so easy to let those amazing people get lost in the shuffle. Um, so my, my speech is always find those diamonds in the rough, pull them back out, build their relationship, um, use data and, and build and tools to, to strengthen and to build your confidence. And then just go have fun, right? Have some lunches, have some breakfast, meet with people, um, you know, have conversations, be genuinely interested in them. Um, and and you, you, the sky is the limit for where you will go. And, and they will introduce you to other people and they will be grateful for the opportunity that you have given them to have a greater impact on something that they care about. So for you people out there who are scared of asking for donations, like listen to this episode again <laughs> and write down some of the awesome words that Danielle just shared with us. And you can use them as mantras because your self-talk is phenomenal. I just Thank love you. it. Your head is in absolutely the right place. Thank you so much for everything that you've shared with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. So thank you so much for your time today. Once again, my name is Monica Pitts and you're listening to Nonprofit Marketing with Purpose. Now, before I let you go, I just wanna remind you about that little favor I asked you about in the beginning. Will you please review this podcast wherever you're listening? It will help us show up when people are looking for answers to the problems that this podcast will help them solve. So if you're a fan and you haven't reviewed the podcast, please, 
leave me a review. That would be so awesome. I would love to hear your feedback. And if this was your first time, I mean, double welcome. And I hope you learned a thing or two. So leave a review so we can connect with even more awesome nonprofits just like you and help them on their journey to less stressful and more successful marketing. Thanks again for your time today. Now, until next time, go forth and market with purpose.